Welcome to the Left of Straight Show, where we talk entertainment, music, books, foodies, and more each week with special guest interviews of interest to the LGBTQ community and our straight allies. Direct from the entertainment capital of Northeast Ohio. Northeast Ohio. Your host, Scott Fullerton, chats with some of your favorite entertainers, celebrities, newsmakers, and behind-the-scenes people across the country and around the world who make it all happen. So sit back, grab your favorite beverage, and let's start talking. gentlemen welcome to another episode of the left of straight show the perfect corner for us to delve into the captivating world of entertainment pop culture mental health books music and all things while we honor and amplify the voices of our lgbtq community and our straight allies today i'm thrilled to welcome back a monumental figure in the realm of literature leslie newman leslie's been a pioneering force fearlessly exploring uncharted territories in literature both for adults and children alike. Her groundbreaking book, Letter to Harvey Milk, which was transformed into a movie and a play, has resonated with countless individuals worldwide. And Lizlea's work also includes the very first positive children's book portraying lesbian parents, cementing her legacy as a real trailblazer here in our LGBTQ community. Now Lizlea is back with us, armed with not one, but two new books that came out last month. So let's get ready to journey into the heart and soul of stories as we uncover the magic and meaning behind her words. Please welcome back to the show, Miss Leslie Newman. Leslie, how are we doing? Great. I'm so happy to be here. I'm excited to have you back. It's been a while. I took a couple years off for the pandemic. You're still churning out books like crazy. Congratulations on two new books in May. That's amazing. Thank you. Well, I'm excited to have you back. Let's uh, dig into a little quick Reader's Digest version of your background since we've had you on before. Why don't you remind my listeners a little bit about where you grew up and what got you interested in writing in the first place? So I spent half my childhood, the first half, in Brooklyn, New York, and then we moved to Long Island, and I was very lonely because in Brooklyn, I lived in an apartment house. There were families everywhere. In On Long Island, I lived in a suburban neighborhood, and it was just one house in my family. And so I turned to books um, to keep me company and to comfort me and to entertain me, and I started writing poetry when I was about eight years old again, as a way to um, keep myself company and um, comfort and nurture myself. And then I never looked back. There you go. I love that. And uh, you are just known for being a prolific writer for both LGBTQ stories and about your Jewish heritage. Talk about um, the importance of those to you and what do you feel um, is two of your most important works in either subject? Well, I have to say, you know, those, those, both those identities are crucial to my being. It's who I am. It's what I breathe. It's what I dream, what I eat, what I sleep. But that's, that's who I am. And I have to say, I'm actually thrilled that next year for the first time, I'm going to have three books coming out that have 
for children that have overt Jewish and LGBTQ content. So mm-hmm. I've had adult books before that explore my identities of being a Jewish lesbian, like a letter to Harvey Milk, which you mentioned, and some of my other adult work. Um, but next year, I'm going to have um, two books out, one that um, celebrates a family, a two-dad family celebrating Shabbat, and one about a two-mom family celebrating Shabbat. And then I also have a book about a family of two moms and their son welcoming a new baby girl into their family. So I'm thrilled about that. Finally, I, I feel whole. That's so exciting for you. I love that. What have you found maybe most challenging to write about in either genre? Well, you know, to me, writing is really writing. And the challenge is always the same, which is facing that blank page every morning. I call it page fright. And when I have something that I'm working on, I'm so happy because I can revise and edit really till the cows come home. But coming up with a new idea is what I find challenging. And everyone laughs when I say that because I've published so many books, but it really is the truth. It's very hard for me to to come up with an idea. Once I have an idea, I, I run with it and I write pretty quickly. I see. And do you have, I mean, how how disciplined are you? A lot of writers are so disciplined, so many words, so many hours each day. What's your process like once you get into the groove there? So what I try to do, and I have to admit I'm not always successful, is to write every day in the morning before the email, you know, just to really get to my desk. Um, That's been challenging lately because, as as you said, I have um, two books coming out in May, just came out, and I had a book coming out in March, and I have a book coming out in September. So, you know, the publicity wheels are turning for all of them, and you can't ignore that. So I've been writing less frequently, but it's a really nice problem to have. I, I bet. And how does your partner and your cat find ways to interrupt this workflow? (laughs) Oh, well, my cat, of course, uh, interrupts me constantly. She wants to be combed. She wants to be played with. She just wants attention. My beloved spouse has been well-trained to not bother me. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Very good. All right. Well, I'm really glad to have you on. I wanted to have you on in May when I did a little writer's week. But I thought it was important to kind of hold you back till Pride Month here because we have so many things happening in the news again our LGBTQ culture, like book banning and trans right laws and drag story laws and all these other things. So you were kind of one of the OGs in the book banning, right? Uh, your book, Heather Has Two Mommies, uh, was way back in 1989. Did you ever think it was going to be that controversial? I mean, we're talking about in the halls of Congress now. Uh, Talk about that experience. So I never thought that the book would get any attention like this because nobody would publish it. So you probably know the story that a friend and I co-published it together, raising money, mostly $10 donations from the community because nobody was interested in this book. So I thought, you know, it would find its way to some lesbian households and that would be the end of it. And of course, we know that's not what happened. It was picked up by Allison Publications, who was published Daddy's Roommate in 1990. And then it was used, you know, as you said it was read on the Senate floor. It was used all over the place to just show the degradation of society. Um, The rainbow curriculum in New York included it, and that was the downfall of Chancellor Fernandez. So no, I never expected any of this. And I certainly didn't expect it 
once it started happening, I didn't expect it to continue for all these years. Um, and I never expected us to be where we are now, which is in such a horribly frightening place. And, you know, it just makes it so important for us to be out there fighting the good fight for our rights. And it's just, it's just a horrendous time. Yeah, I mean, it's just wild when you think about it. This was, I mean, your book out, came out in 89. The controversy with the Senate with Jesse Helms was in 94. And now we're talking 2023, uh, this reemergence in Florida and so many other states uh, coming around again. I mean, it kind of subsided for a while, even though it was always kind of bubbling under the surface. But what do you think um, caused this resurgence in it? And what can we do to fight it? Well, first of all, the, 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 it, it almost renders me speechless, as you can see, because this amount of intense hatred, I just don't understand where it comes from. I, I just, it baffles me. It really baffles me. And, you know, back in the day, like in the nineties, when Heather has two mommies was challenged, you know, a parent would get upset. There would be uh, meetings of the school board, a decision would be made. There weren't statewide laws prohibiting teachers from reading Heather Has Two Mommies in their classroom for fear of losing their jobs, for fear of being thrown in jail, for fear of, you know, violence. Um, you know, the, the Proud Boys showing up with guns at Drag Queen Story Hours. I mean, this is just a whole new level. And I totally blame the previous administration. That those people, I shouldn't use that phrase, but um, I, the the former president, whose name I will not utter, just unleashed just this permission to let people's hatred be out there and in a way that is really dangerous. We're really living in dangerous times. And it's scary how quick it happened. I mean, we're talking that was only seven years ago that uh, he was actually first elected. And it's just gone so exponentially worse each year that it, and it keeps living on now that he's even out of office and he's going to try to come back to office. So it's really scary. All these people that have taken up this mantle, so to speak. Um, you had Sparkle Boy came out. Um, another little controversial about that. I love your titles of books, by the way. I mean, you, you just you. talk about coming up with some of these um, what really... What really sings to you when these titles come about? You know, it's sometimes it's really hard to find a title. Um, and very often it's a phrase from in, inside the book. But when, when I find the title, I just know it. It's almost like I exhale. I got it. You know, and before that, I come up with all these titles that are just not right. And it, it's it's a little frustrating, but I know eventually I will get it. I love, what's the one, um, the boy who said fabulous or how, the what's boy the who name? cried fabulous. Yeah. I love that one. Oh my gosh. Ahead of its time too. <laughs> that is the, the catch word these days. Um, let's start going into the two new books. I mean, like I said, May 2nd, your birth and two books, all of a sudden you have two great, I need to start with, because I'm a foodie at heart. So we got to start with the Babka sisters there. Uh, talk about, what um, what's that based on for people that might not be familiar? Because I'm a foodie through and through. Talk about um, the basis for the book and how that came about. So the Bobka sisters, first of all, 
I love babka. I love the word babka. It's just a fun word to say. And it's it's an interesting food because it's sort of bread, but it really isn't. It's sort of cake, but it really isn't. Um, so I just started playing with language, which is what I love to do the most. You know, I'm a poet by, by trade. That's my background. And so I came up with these sisters, Esther and Hester, and then I gave them a dog and a cat named Chester and Lester, and then their neighbor is Sylvester. And then when I really kind of lost it, when I remembered that in Yiddish, the word for sister is Schwester. So then it was just like, oh my God. So, so you know, it's traditional to make challah for Shabbat, um, but Esther and Hester have a new neighbor. And I thought, well, what if they made something even more special? What if they made babka for Sylvester to welcome him to the neighborhood on his first Shabbat there? And then of course, sisters can be competitive. So they each want to make the best babka. And so that's kind of how it all started. And Sylvester, the babka tester, um, decides whose babka is the best. And there's a recipe in the back, which really does make the best babka in the world. It is so good. And are you more towards the, uh, the, do you like it more dense towards the bread or do you like it more airy like a cake? What's your personal preference? I kind of like it dense. I have to admit, um, I love cinnamon babka. I love chocolate babka. I've seen all these like wacky flavors like blueberry babka. And I'm like, no, I'm kind of a traditionalist. You know, just give me the cinnamon, give me the chocolate. Now you hear all about uh, a lot of the times where people, because you do a lot of book signing and you do, do some great lecturing and everything. Have you ever had people bringing you things from your book? Do you ever get a, have you, I mean, it just came out recently, but do you expect to be receiving some babkas in your future here? Oh my God, I hope so. I did get, <laughs> someone sent me a babka in the mail. I couldn't believe it. And it came intact and it was fresh and it was so good. So yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm giving a reading actually at our local senior center and I will be bringing babka. So that will be fun. That sounds amazing. Can do readings in cooking schools. And yeah. Start well, the, the irony is that I don't cook and I certainly don't bake. So <laughs> a friend of mine whose name is Erin Hamburger, who's a gay writer, and actually just came out with a fantastic novel called Hotel Cuba. So I'm going to plug that. Um, he came up with the babka recipe. And then I had a lot of friends test it because, like I said, I don't bake. But then I got to reap the reward. So everybody won. Oh, I love that. That's fantastic. And the second book that came out uh, the same day, um, The Fairest in the Land. And uh, talk about that book. So The Fairest in the Land is about two best friends, Benjamin and Annabelle, and they're playing dress up. And Benjamin wants to be the bride and Annabelle says, okay. And so she's the groom. And then Benjamin wants to be the ballerina. So she is the dancer that lifts him and carries him around. And then he wants to be the princess and she's okay for a while, but then she kind of puts her foot down and says, come on now, I want to be the princess. And so Benjamin wants his friend to be happy, but he also doesn't want to give up his princess crown. So what is he going to do? You'll have to read the book to find out. Well, and it has a lot of overarching themes just in that description there. I mean, it's it's that's one of the things I love about your books is they're the the illustrations make them so beautiful and it and they're so simplistic in nature, but then they have these themes that are really warning about sharing, about um, different gender roles. Talk about the subconscious that goes into that writing, and are you ever amazed of what comes out in the finished product? 
Well, you know, I'm always surprised. So there are some writers who are plotters, you know, they plot it out. They know the end of the book before they begin. And some are what they call pantsers, which means you fly by the seat of your pants. And I'm in that second camp. So, you know, I like to be surprised. And there's this little writing maxim, no surprise for the writer, no surprise for the reader. So I don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, when you put in your 10,000 steps or 100,000 steps, whatever it is, you know, I've been writing since I was eight years old. That is um, close to 60 years, I'll admit. Um, you know, you just have all this experience and you learn to trust the writing and the process. And it all comes from playing with language, especially in um, a book like The Ferris in the Land, where I am... Um, it's told in rhyming couplets. So, you know, often the rhyme takes you in a direction you didn't expect to go. And that's always very exciting. And how do these projects come about? How, what kind of draws you between the young adult, the adult writing and the children's writing? Does it start with the idea? Uh, is it something you try to get back to and kind of share the wealth? That? How, does, how does these stories drive you? Well, I'm always writing poems for adults. That's just kind of an ongoing thing. And in recent years, I've turned away from fiction for adults, um, not on purpose, and I'm sure it will come back. But right now, I'm really focusing on poetry and on children's books. And really, the writing is the alpha dog. You know, I just lead where the writing takes me. I don't really wake up one day with a, a preconceived notion. I think I'm going to write this kind of book or that kind of book. Though sometimes that's not true. The, the book that you mentioned earlier, The Boy Who Cried Fabulous. So that was an idea that was given to me by my dear friend, Roger, who said to me once that that was his nickname. And wouldn't that be a great children's book title? And I said, thank you, Roger. And I wrote that book for him. So sometimes that happens. Um, another book we didn't talk about, which is called I Can Be Me, which came out in March. So that was just, just a couple of months ago, came about because I was on a panel discussing LGBTQ picture books with Maya Gonzalez, who actually became the illustrator of that book, and Kyle Lukoff, who is a trans activist. And I learned so much from being on the panel with them. I decided to try and put everything I learned about gender and freedom and self-expression and acceptance and celebration into a children's book. And I, I was so honored that Maya Gonzalez illustrated it. And do you find, I mean, you've written very poignant books about your mother and things. Do you find writing about your own personal experiences is harder than doing these uh, children books, or is it kind of the, the process of the process, and they both kind of lead you on different directions, or how is it for you to to draw from those personal experiences? You know, like you said, the process is really the process. So I just pick up my pen, stare at a piece of paper till three drops of blood appear on my forehead, and hope hope something worthy will come out on the page. I love that. And as you've said, you've been writing these all these years now. I think you have close to 80 titles or uh, compilations now. Um, does the wife ever say, okay, we've had enough. It's time to go to Bermuda for the month. Or uh, <laughs> when do you, um, what, what compels you now to write anymore? Um, what, is it just something that you have to do as a writer? You always keep writing or is it something you see yourself kind of finally sitting back and relaxing one of these days? Well, I have to say, I don't feel like I have to prove myself the way I did when I was much younger. Um, I do feel compelled to write. It's the way I process my experience of being in the world, the world inside of myself, the world outside myself, and the relationship between the two. 
And also I like to eat and it's how I learn my, earn my living. So I need to write. There you go. It's always good to put uh, Bobka on the table, so to speak. Right on the table. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I wish I had some right now. There you go. <laughs> Well, you've won some amazing awards, including the Matthew Shepard Foundation Making a Difference Award back in 2018. You have, we talked about the Harvey Milk book. You have another Matthew Shepard book. I think it's poetry coming out at the end of the year. Talk about what drives you to that story, because you have like a special relationship with Matthew Shepard, I think, during the time. Talk about that and what brings you back to that experience. So in 20, um, in night. Oh, I have to think of my dates for a minute. In 1998, I was invited uh, to be the keynote speaker at the University of Wyoming for their Gay Awareness Week, which is what it was called back then. And I was invited, the invitation came to me in the spring to come to the cam to campus in the fall. And so a couple of days before I was scheduled to arrive, Jim Osborne, who was Matthew Shepard's friend, called and told me that his friend had a bit attacked and kidnapped and robbed and abandoned and discovered and in the hospital in a coma and the town the campus was in a uproar did i still want to come and i said absolutely i gay awareness week needs to go on more than ever so i gave a talk about my book heather has two mommies and lgbtq families and the students from the lgbtq lgbtq group were all sitting in the front row with one empty seat and i thought that's where Matt would sit, be sitting. And so I made a promise to those students that I would, for the rest of my life, um, do whatever I can to keep his name alive, to fight for LGBTQ rights so that he had not died in vain. And so through that, I met his parents. I wrote the book, October Morning, a song for Matthew Shepard, which is a novel in verse that explores this horrendous hate crime. And then as the years went by, it's been 25 years, you know, when I go to college campuses, the students weren't even born when this happened, right? So some of us are old enough to remember, many of us weren't even born when he was murdered. And so I have uh, created a new book called Always Matt, a tribute to Matthew Shepard. And it is a book length, fully illustrated poem that explores not focusing on his death and the hate crime that claimed him, but more on his life and legacy and the work that people have done in his memory. And it's beautifully illustrated and I can't wait for it to come out. And I hope that it inspires people to work for social justice as Matt wanted to do. I love that. Well, I'm so happy you took, you put that together. Uh, we'll have to have you back when that comes out. Cause I think we need to inspire more than anything these days and poetry always inspires and honors in such a terrific way. So I'm looking forward to that. Talk about what, what do you hope for in today's writers now talking about the LGBTQ experience? And like I said, we're living through another renaissance of unfortunately hate and discrimination out there. Um, what is it? What does it take or what kind of impetus do you, so what writers do you look for uh, yourself in LGBTQ writers right now? Well, I just think it's so important for all of us to come together, to support each other, to tell our stories, uh, to be brave, to remember, especially if you're writing for young people, that a book can really save a child's life. I mean, I've heard stories of kids walking around, hugging Heather has two mommies to their chest, 
Uh, I've heard, you know, keeping it in their backpack, refusing to give it up at lunchtime. Just it can mean so much to validate a child's experience in a book. And as writers, you know, we're given a voice, we're given a platform. So that is an obligation to my mind and a responsibility to use our voices to make the world a safer place, especially for our youth. You know, we all know the statistics about LGBTQ youth and suicide, and we all know how painful it can be, especially now. I mean, imagine it's painful for me as a grown woman to turn on the TV and hear about these hateful laws being passed. So imagine being a kid and just coming out and thinking, they're talking about me, they're talking about my life. I, I, it's going to be illegal for me to live my authentic life and be my authentic self. I mean, we just have to support those kids in every way we can. Well said. And what kind of advice would you give to future writers talking about the LGBT experience to children? What is important for them to get across and what is maybe some of the obstacles you found along the way? I think it's important to be truthful to not talk down to children, um, to um, respect the intelligence of children, and to just give them a lot of credit because kids are a lot smarter than we think. And I think we don't give them enough credit. And to just be honest with them, to tell beautiful stories to them, to allow them to ask the hard questions, to create a safe space within a book for them to just be who they are. I mean, there's just so much that can be done with a book. Well said. Very good. Well, Leslie Newman, I really appreciate you coming on and taking the time to talk about these brand new books. I'm so excited. Um, happy Pride Month to you. I hope uh, you and your partner find some time to relax during this time. Let everyone know where they can find your fantastic website and uh, talk about these, where they can find the new books. So my website is very simple. It's just my name, lesliannewman.com. And then from there, you can click, to, it says Books for Children. And I have a second website just that's kid-friendly called lesliakids.com. And my books are available, as they say, wherever fine books are sold. And, um, you know, I hope that you read them to yourself, to kids, and just celebrate pride. You know, we all need, even though we're fighting hard for our rights, we need also to celebrate. We have to remember the joy. Very true. Very true. And like I said, I think because of all the laws, we need to bring it back to the protest that it started. But as you said, there is joy in it and we need to, accel uh, to celebrate that joy and celebrate each other and find our tribe, so to speak, be able to be with yes. our tribe. Very well said. And do you do the whole social media thing at all? Should they follow you on social media? Oh, sure. So I'm on Twitter, just my name again, at Leslie Newman and Facebook. I don't know how you find me on Facebook, but if you just put my name in, I'm sure you will be, you'll find me. And then um, you can email me through my website. Always happy to hear from readers and uh, happy pride. There you go. And you're a great speaker as well. So if you're looking for Leslie to come to your uh, event or your school or something, be sure to look uh, on the website and book her for that as well. Leslie, it's been fantastic getting to speak to you again. Uh, we're going to have to have you back September, October, when we start talking about Matthew Shepard and the new book of poems. Thanks for being on the Left of Straight Show. Always a pleasure to be here. All right, stay on the line for me, guys. We'll be back with another interview shortly. We're also going to play five questions with Leslie. Be sure to look for that next Tuesday. 
You're listening to Left to Straight Show right here on the Left to Straight Radio Network. Have a great day, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Left of Straight Show. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast distributor and please give us a five-star rating so more listeners can find us. You can follow us on social media and be sure to check out our website, www.leftofstraightradio.com for contests and other news and information. See you next week.